Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Goldston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. The reading today is from Psalm 139, beginning at verse 1. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Um, we continue our, our God is series, and uh, this one is I've labelled, He really knows me and really cares. Now, where some God is attributes might be pretty hard to understand. Like, for example, last week with God is holy, it's hard to get your head around God is holy because only he is holy. And so as you get to know him more, you understand what his holiness might mean. But if you just look at it from a word perspective, uh, it's hard to get your head around. There are so many verses that speak about the knowledge of God, and other, and, uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, like God knows all things. We see that in God's word. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. His eyes are on the ways of mortals. He sees their every step. You get it, don't you, that God knows everything. His eye, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. For the Lord searches every heart. He understands every desire and every thought. Now, this is what theologians call, and this is, you've got to keep this in mind because it could be a triple word score on Scrabble. It's called the omniscience of God. O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-T. He's an omniscient God. In other words, he knows everything. He's all-knowing. And in the Bible, these theologians, of which I'm not, but a theologian, have all gathered it together. I am in some kind of ways, but we'll get there. That God knows creation. We see that in the Bible. He knows everything in all of creation. He knows the heavens and the earth. He sustains the heavens and the earth. He knows it completely. He knows when every sparrow or whether any sparrow falls to the ground. He knows every hair on my head, which doesn't mean very much in my case, but probably does in Tony's case. Or in Chris's case, he probably doesn't mean as much as it does for Jason, for example, who seems to have numerous amounts of hair and would never go bald in his life. God knows everything in creation. It's all blocked together. You can see many, many verses that sort of come with that. God knows about the future. He knows everything. There's nothing new to him. He just knows what's happening in the future. He knows what's going to, what the end's going to be like. In fact, the only person that knows what the end is going to be like of our world is God. He sees that. God knows even, and this is a big one, about himself. 
We don't know about ourselves. We don't even know the reason why we do things. But God knows everything about himself. That's pretty mind-blowing, I can imagine. And as I said last week, we looked at the holiness. This one shouldn't be so easy, shouldn't be so hard to get your head around today. We continue our series and we look that God is all-knowing and importantly, he cares. And there's no better place to find that than in Psalm 139. There are three truths that I think come from verses 1 to 6 as we discover this attribute about God. And I think that if we discover and meditate upon and get that in our mind, it will change your life and it will free you to do mission across the street and around the world. It will free us as a church to do ministry in our church. Firstly, God understands you perfectly and intimately. The psalmist, probably David, says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. Know me is an intimate word that sort of comes only within that marriage relationship like Abraham knew Sarah. And search me means that to dig in, to dig down deep. So in other words, while we're fairly shallow in our thinking about ourselves, we kind of think we know each other, God digs down deep into our heart and he knows you intimately even better than you do yourself. As Tim Keller would put it, the dichotomy between the difference of appearance and reality, humanity seems to feel that it's good to fashion appearances to be anything but reality. I think we're good at that good at putting on a character rather than knowing our real self, as we'll see a video of Melanie Griffith. Loudly. I feel things very strongly, and I think in my youth I used alcohol um, and cocaine in order to cover up the pain that I felt. What pain? Any kind of pain, like the pain of the emptiness inside that you don't know how to fill, really. And, and then you play other parts all the time, so I can fill another character great, but I don't know how to fill myself. We're good you know? at filling characters. And sometimes we even mask our real self by putting on things like alcohol and drugs so that we only see the us at a surface level. But God sees us and knows us intimately. He knows exactly what you like. He knows what you like, even though you might not display who you really are to our world. He knows you intimately and he cares for you. We get to two verses as you move along in those, those verses from uh, 1 to 5 in the Psalms, if you have it, and there's a Bible in front of you or the device that you have, as long as you don't play Angry Birds or something like that, um, it will be in front of you. See, in English poetry, we have a rhyme-based sounds like the cat sat on the mat. That's about the extent of my poetry, by the way. But in Hebrew poetry, they didn't get into sound rhymes, but rather thought rhymes. And you have two verses in the Bible, that, uh, two, the two verses in this passage that have thought rhymes. You know when I sit and when I rise. There's a thought rhyme with, you discern my going out and my lying down. David is just saying, across the course of my daily life, God is present and he knows. 
He knows where, when I'm sitting. He knows when I'm standing. He knows when I'm lying down, when I'm going out. In other words, the whole of the course of my life, no matter whether I'm waking up or I'm asleep or whatever I'm doing, he knows me. He's present with me. And that's important because when life gets busy, we can forget about God, but God doesn't forget about us. Our eyes can get off God, but our but God's gaze upon us and his focus on us is never off of us. David says another thought, Ryan, which kind of brings home another truth. He says, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You're familiar with all my ways. In other words, you get me. You get exactly who I am. I'm a bundle of contradictions. I really don't understand me. I'm not always sure of myself. I can't always act the way that I want to do. There's a thousand thoughts that are always going through my mind, some good and some bad. But God gets me. Probably those thoughts are going through your mind this morning. Maybe for some of you, it's it's talking about, you know, I'm trying to discern what God has to say for me. While others might be thinking, I wonder what's for morning tea. And still others might be thinking, is he going to finish within 30 minutes this week? Could be all of those things. Lots of thoughts going through our minds. But isn't it great to know that God has it figured out? And verse 4 gives an example of it. It says, you know me, God, before a word is ever on my tongue. You know it completely. And as mentioned, these verses are talking about how God is all-knowing, the omniscience of God. He knows everything, including the future. There's no problem that confuses him. He is never surprised. He never says to himself, really? I never knew that was going to happen. He knows it all. But what makes this psalm so awesome is it's not just theology for David. Like I mentioned before, like, you know, the... There's a, a category for this called omniscience of God as, as its omnipotence of God, which is all powerful, ever-present and, and all-powerful. And, the, you know, the whole lot of this happens within Psalm 139. But if you go to lectures like I've been to Moreland College, some of them are not so enthusiastic to p- present that in a way that really connects to, our, to us as people, like personally connect us. Some were engaging, that's for sure. Others made me think about what was for lunch. Some lectures made it sound like God knows all. Is this giant sort of super brain computer up in the sky, kind of like if you've looked at Chuck on, on Prime, it's like the intersect if you know anything about that. But not David. For David, this God that knows all is a personal God. So you'll notice that it says this, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I arise, when I sit, You know my thoughts. You know my coming in and my going out. It's not just some out there thinking, some abstract theology. God knows all. And it's so important for us to recognise that. If I want, I can try really hard to disconnect God from my personal life and from, from from being intimate in my life. Many religions do that. For some religions, they can't understand how the God of this universe, this all-knowing God or powerful God, ever-present God of the universe, would remotely connect to sinful human beings like me and like you. But God says he does connect with us in the most intimate way. 
David in Psalm 139 reinforces that this all-knowing God is a personal, intimate God. But what does he know about me? He knows my fears and my frustrations. In Psalm 56, 6, it says, You know how troubled I am. You know you have kept a record of my tears. There is a problem, isn't it? And there's solutions as well. One of the difficulties that we have in life is that, that um, if we act as though God doesn't know anything about us, well, then we can get into despair. Like we can ask ourselves the questions, does God know the bills that I have? Does he know the needs that need to be met in my life? Does he know that I'm all alone paddling in a big ocean and some of the problems can seem like whales in our life? If I believe that God is not omniscient, my conclusion will either be despair or what happens mostly for those who don't know God intimately and personally We take matters into our own hands and generally the result will be worrying. Worrying essentially is taking matters into our own hands. But we need to speak the truth of God into our life and that he knows everything. He really knows everything and he really cares for me and he cares for you and he cares for us as his people, as a church. God knows He knows our frustration and our fears, but he also knows when I'm unfaithful and when I'm faithful. And for some people, these verses, particularly this first part of the verses from 1 to 6, can be fairly frightening because it means that if he knows me intimately, intimately, if he knows everything about me, then I can sit there and go, I am up the creek. Because there are some things that I would much rather God not to know and keep secret from him. But none of us have secrets before God. And that sometimes can be terrifying for some. Ever since Adam and Eve, we look for the fig leaf that will cover up whatever we want to cover up. A man's ways are in full view of the Lord, says Proverbs chapter 5. And Satan has two ways that he gets to us in those type of thoughts. The first one is, no one will ever ever know. And we're left with guilt. And another way is that no one will ever find out. And we're left with fear. What if my parents find out? I don't know when you were a child, but mothers have a way of knowing. They just know. I always thought I got away with stuff. I never got away with anything. But what about my wife or my husband or my boss or what about the ATO? You ever had that speeding ticket where you thought, I wonder if it flashed on me? Then a couple of weeks' time you realise it did. Well, the reality is in our life we have been found out. We already know. God already knows. And we need to be honest with him. And that's sometimes what keeps us from coming clean with God is that we think that God will be shocked by our actions. But if God is all-knowing, well, then nothing shocks him. Even our unfaithfulness doesn't surprise him. There's nothing that you do 
or nothing that you will do that will surprise God. He doesn't say, you did what? I didn't realise you had the potential to do that. He saw it coming. So you can come clean. You can be honest with him. You can admit to him what is on your chest and start over again with him. He knows about your unfaithfulness, but here's the great news. He knows about your faithfulness as well. He knows every time that you tried to do the right thing. He knows every time that you didn't give in to temptation. He knows when instead of sinning, you chose not to sin. He knows every time you stood up for something that honours him. He sees that too. And that's important because some people are thinking, I've been trying to do the right thing in my marriage. I've been trying to do the right thing in my relationship, but it doesn't seem to have results. I've been trying to follow God at work, but it doesn't seem to pay off. I have been intentionally striving towards godliness. God says, I see it. I know it. As much as I know our short, your shortcomings, I know the times when you, through the Holy Spirit, have been strengthened to do the things that honours me, God says. God knows it all. He knows when I've been unfaithful and faithful and he knows my feelings. David says, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, Lord. As Tim Keller put it, whatever captures the heart's trust and love also controls the feelings and behaviour. What the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable. Sorry, what the heart, mo- heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. How does, how does God know the outworking of my heart? Through the tongue, because whatever comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart. And because he knows our heart, he knows our feelings, he knows what's down deep, he knows what you're trying to express better than you can even express them. Like David says in Psalm 31, you have listened to my troubles and you have seen the crisis of my soul. Some might think nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody feels the pain that I'm in. Might be like a word to a song. Probably a country and western song, I think, but it would be a song. Often when we feel hurting, we feel isolated and we're lonely. And maybe there's been a death in the family or there's been a divorce in the family or or maybe you've gotten fired and you feel all alone. Maybe you're sick and you feel like nobody understands the way that I feel. And I think COVID has kind of accentuated that over, over the time. I'm not talking about man flu when you're not really sick. I'm talking about like when you're really sick. We have a thing in our, our family where you go, no, I'm really sick because I have a tendency to put forward man flu every now and then. And, you know, if I need to know Susan, to, to say, Susan, I'm not having got the flu, I'm really sick. God knows about my feelings. He knows about, also knows about my tomorrow. If we skip ahead in verses uh, in, in Psalm 139, it says, all the, day, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be, in verse 16. See, God sees my tomorrow because God is not limited by time and space. He exists in the past, present and future all at once. And that's really hard for us to understand because we're time-based people. To give you a, a bit of an understanding, and this is trying to use an illustration which is 
you just can't figure it out. It's like a blimp or a drone being above a race. And you see the start, you see the finish, and you see all the stops in between. But he not only sees this is where you're going to start and this is where you're going to finish, he actually sees you running the race, the whole completeness of, of the race that you run in life. Nothing surprises God. In fact, he's already there at the place waiting for you before you even arrive. He's walking with you in your future. He's walking with you in your presence. God knows you and searches you not only in the present but in your future and your past. But it's not like CCTV where he just takes clips of your life and clips of your future where he uses it against you. Rather, his eye is loving and it's upon you. It's kind of like checking your kids before you go to bed. You do that, don't you? They're asleep. They don't have to perform for you to love them. They don't have to do anything. Your day might have been horrendous and you might have chased them around like cats on a hot tin roof. I never put a cat on a hot tin roof, but it's like that. But when they're asleep, you just look at them and you just love them, just the way that they are. God understands us completely. And second, God powerfully protects us. Now, you might think, second, there's no way in the wide planet he's going to finish in 30 minutes. These ones are shorter. The psalmist says, you hand me in behind me and before me. And hand me in might scare you to death because what happens, like David is a warrior and he could imagine that God is hemming him in, ready to attack the fortress. But that's not like that at all. In fact, what happened is if you look at the Lord of the Rings, it's a bit like the Lord of the Rings where the enemy had, from Helm's Deep, had besieged, uh, besieged the fortress, have come in, and I don't know whether you've seen it or not, but you've got the, the, the people in the middle who are wondering how are they ever going to get around as the enemy encircles them around. And then what happens is you have this great prophecy as Gandalf, who's meant to be God, uh, stands up on top, or meant to be Jesus, stands up on top. And the people down the bottom says, Gandalf's alone. But he's not alone. Because over the ridge comes these fortress that, and this army, this massive fighting machine that fights the thing, the, the enemy that surrounds the camp. And it's like that with us. He, in his presence and his knowledge, knows what we're going through and knows when we've been encircled by things where we feel trapped and we feel as though we cannot get out of. And he says, you are not alone. He powerfully protects you. He walks with his power and his strength. And because he does that, we know that we're safe in his presence. We also know safe we're safe in his knowledge. He's not waiting for us to be besieged He's not, and then reacting upon that. He knows what's going to happen. And he comes to our aid because he loves you as a son and daughter of the living God, as a father. So if you look at the rest of verse 5, you have laid your hand upon me 
And the, the word hand there literally means you have your palm on my head. Back to our kids. We use kids as an example. You know, if you've got kids, use it. I don't know whether Cody would come and sleep in my bed in a thunderstorm anymore, but they used to. And the thunderstorm would happen and you have the claps all going around the place and they have an incredible ability that once they're asleep, they stay asleep, it seems, at our home at least, and forever. But it's like your kid's sleeping there knowing that you're the one that they're lying next to. You're the one that's keeping your hand upon them. So they're able to sleep through all the stuff that's going on in their life. Don't you want God just to come and be with you as you sleep in his presence and rest in his presence? Knowing that you, he has your hand. He has his hand upon you. Knowing you, he has your back. Knowing that he knows all about your present, your past, and he's dealt with that, and your future. It's the same hand that bears the scars of the nails that we thought about in, in uh, communion today, that same hand that bore the nail scars that were on the cross dealing with your sin, your past, now calls you a child of God as you walk with him and will lead you into a future with him. He really knows us and really cares for us and he cared enough to die for us. And that is huge. How do we respond to something like that? David says in the next verse, I'm blown away. Such knowledge is too lofty or too amazing for me to even get my head around. I don't understand it. It's too wonderful for me. He's awestruck in the omniscience of God. Maybe that's your response. It leads you to a place of incredible worship where you fall flat on your face and go, you've dealt with my past. I'm going to walk with you in my present and I'm going to trust you as I go into the future. Maybe that's you. And that will help you to relax, maybe. That he knows you and he really cares for you so I can relax in his presence. I can sleep with his hand upon my head. But for others it might be, you need to repent. And you don't have to be afraid to repent because he knows you anyway. It's not as if when you confess to him that all of a sudden something, you know, you're telling him what he doesn't already know. You confess to him so your heart then is before him and you allow him to deal with your heart and your life, which he already has done through Jesus on the cross. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that is a place that you want to be. If you haven't got to that place before, well, then you need to be at that place because he knows you and he really cares for you. But for others who have got to that place of repentance, who know that Jesus died for them on the cross, who, who recognise the nail-pierced hands that are upon their head in cleansing and also in his presence, it means that you have confidence to walk with him. Through the hills and the valleys or wherever he leads you, 
whatever he asks for you to step out in, whether it's mission, whether it's ministry at church, whether it's something in your life, as you step out in faith and you trust him, you can have the confidence of all confidence that the God of this universe knows you completely, knows every day and every day was a day for you before one of them ever came to be and that this God cares for you and loves you so much that he wants to walk every day of your life intimately with you. Amen? What a great, great attribute of God. All of them are great. But this one hits home that God knows you, completely knows you, perfectly knows you, intimately knows you, and cares for you so much that he would lay down his life for you and die for you. Let's pray. Lord, in our response, I I don't know what it is for people, whether it's a, a place where we just fall on our knees and worship you, whether it's a place, Lord, where we relax in your presence, we give the stuff that's happening in our life and the things that that has happened in our life and whatever the future might bring to you and we place it at your feet knowing that you know everything and you care for us. But, Lord, as we look back and we know that you know our motivation, you know that all the things that we've done, there's nothing hidden from your sight. Maybe it's a chance, Lord, for people to repent before you. And I pray, Lord, they do that knowing that you forgive them and cleanse them in their confession and their reliance and trust upon your salvation that you have provided on the cross. But for many here, Lord, we've got to that point. I pray that we confidently walk in your will knowing that you're not leading us to places that are blind before you, but places that you know. In fact, you're already at the place before we even get there. So I pray, Lord, we walk with great confidence in mission and ministry for you. I pray this in your name. Amen.